0: Welcome to the Global Futures podcast with me Joel Sandu. We're coming to you from Washington DC in America. Urban growth is one of today's major challenges. In 2015, close to 4 billion people or 54% of the world's population lived in cities, and that number is projected to increase to about 5 billion people by 2030. Rapid urbanization has brought enormous challenges such as growing numbers of slums, increased air pollution, and inadequate basic services. Cities often need to tackle global challenges on a daily basis and deal with issues such as climate change mitigation, social inclusion, or digital infrastructure because they are directly concerned. At the same time, cities are engines of economic progress and technological innovation. The Urban World Report 2016 by McKinsey Global Institute noted that large cities generate about 75% of global GDP and will generate 86% of worldwide GDP growth between 2015 and 2030. So if cities play such a key role, if more than half of the world's population lives in cities today and a third of the world's population is set to live in cities by 2050, What does this mean for world politics? Does it give city leaders a strategic position when it comes to governing contemporary challenges? Are cities and their leaders more able than national governments to find solutions to the world's most pressing challenges? These are some of the questions we will discuss in this episode. Our guest today is Mikel Acuto, Professor of Global Urban Politics at the University of Melbourne in Australia, and an inaugural senior fellow in the Global Governance Futures Program, where he supports the working group focusing on the role of cities in global governance. Previously, Mikela was Professor of Diplomacy and Director of City Leadership Laboratory at University College London. He has also taught at the Australian National University, University of Canberra, and the National University of Singapore. So we're sitting here in Starbucks on DuPont Circle in Washington, D.C. So to all our listeners, in case you hear random names being called out, you know why that's the case. Coffee chain shops like this one are synonymous to big cities around the world where you can find pretty much the same everywhere and fairly easily. And I'm happy to say that we're sitting here with Uh Mikel, uh, thank you very much for joining us on Global Futures podcast today. A pleasure. So let me start with a pretty obvious question. How has globalization changed the way we run cities?
1: Well... Absolutely apt location, whether it's a good or a bad thing, i won't comment on the coffee itself as an italian but um but in general, I think you have to take that question in two parts in a sense in a in a physical uh material part and in a more sort of political angle and if you talk about the physical elements there uh you're spot on on the location because because of the size of the global value chains and uh, large technical systems that cities now are embedded in and that to me isn't a story of big cities and small cities i think it, it is nearly equal it's differently uh, located or there's different levels of sort of impact and size on different cities but if you take a absolutely mundane, my favorite example, uh, waste management is a 133 billion dollar industry a year. There's billions of way of tons of waste that go around the world uh, and move from city to city, from uh, cities across oceans. Uh, street lighting, just staring outside. Uh, the new smart street lighting market uh, is a is a. Is a around about 12 13 billion dollar industry as well so it physically is changing a lot and it's really impacting the way we run places but politically then you have the whole suite of cities participating and engaging in global politics we have more than 200 city networks today we have the formation of what some have called global urban governance so global agendas like the sustainable development goals the new urban agenda that that frame the politics of cities globally. Um, So I think in general, it really is sort of that two-sided story of cities are changing materially whilst changing politically, and that shapes the way we run it on an everyday basis. So
0: when most of us think about cities and how they operate, we think about cities in a fairly localized context, right? So where you work, where you live. Uh, where you go to school and so on and so forth. But as you know, a vast number of cities across the world are connected, either through trade, tourism, transportation, even political connectivity. You, for one, for example, flew in from Melbourne to Washington, D.C., and and this is for work. So what do you think are today's biggest global challenges for cities operating in such an international environment?
1: In the first instance, the recognition that they're operating in such an international um, environment so in that in that sense, what we're really talking about is uh, the fact that even extremely mundane and everyday matters like going to work, like taking your bus uh, in a place like Washington, in a place like uh, 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 New York, but even in smaller places, uh, is determined by the relation of that city to other places, to other cities. Um, so fundamentally, what's, what's interesting at the moment is, uh, using Jenny Robinson's uh, expression, cities live and exist in a world of cities Um, so they relate to each other the way the buses work here is affected by how other cities are thinking about buses and vice versa and at the same time I I suppose you also have to think about the fact that cities now need to think themselves internationally which means relating to things like the United Nations uh, like large philanthropies or companies. If you take, again, the street lighting example, the global street lighting industry is highly affected by companies like Siemens and Cisco and General Electric. And cities need to relate to that. It's no longer sort of an urban management story. It's a global engagement story uh, on a nearly everyday basis. Again, it's not just mayors going about and having cocktails and canapes. It's people trying to define... How you pick up the bus in the morning, uh, who takes away your trash, uh, where does your loo flushes water into?
0: So cities have become like more and more important in politics. They've come to the forefront of politics in the last decades. In his book, If Mayors Rule the World, Benjamin Barber suggests that cities and mayors who... And and mayors who run them are increasingly proving their competency at addressing the most pressing challenges of our time. And here I'm thinking about climate change, terrorism, poverty, trafficking of drugs, guns and people, so on and so forth. And at times cities and their mayors do a better job than nation states. Are mayors really set to rule the world as this book's title suggests?
1: Honest and personal answer, no, they don't. No, they don't because... I would argue that's slightly the wrong way to think about that story. It's that idea of um, a single entity, a single leadership for the world, in a sense, uh, of the mayor replacing the head of state. Uh, and I think that's partly flawed, uh, on the one hand, in the fact that it isn't a particularly revolutionary thing to, to think about a, a United Nations of cities, if you wish. Uh, the United Nations has been around for quite some time, so there's there's danger there on basically replicating things we've seen for decades, if not centuries, if you go back in other iterations of United Nations-like things, and simply putting mayors in charge of that rather than heads of state. Um, I think what really is interesting in there is thinking about cities um, in relationship with other things. So cities and mayors and city leadership is taking the helm, is taking uh, the capacity to shape agendas and direct investments uh, and direct politics uh, but it's typically in partnership with something else it isn't cities alone it's for instance cities with large philanthropic interests it's cities with other cities it's cities with metropolitan governments with regional governments Uh, um, so in a sense it is partly true if we think about it in the sense of cities not local governments not mayors but as coalitions uh, of different actors uh, for an urban area.
0: So just to locate this a little bit more, if you were to assess how effective are cities as global change makers, what's your thinking on that? Because you still said, you know, it's cities partnering with other cities or with philanthropic uh,
1: initiatives, but as global change makers? I think that the answer would be the jury's still out. Not to hedge my bets as much, as much to say, for instance, in the climate scene, you certainly could answer positively. Positively, insofar as cities uh, charting new agendas, taking actions. Uh, We've done a lot of work with a group of cities called the C40 Climate Leadership Group. Uh, That's 96 of the largest cities on the planet. Uh, And if you wind back uh, on what they physically did, not just the agendas, not just Michael Bloomberg or Anne Hidalgo on the forefront, but the actual action on the ground, you can count uh, at least 12,000 pilot programs and actions on on climate uh, action on the ground. So on that front, you can certainly say, OK, great, I can see some tangible action, I can see some leadership uh, that happens uh, then onto the ground. But I think you would still have to argue the jury is still out uh, because have they changed the way inter- the international system behaves? Not particularly. Have they changed uh, um, the way we fundamentally think of that system, a fundamentally neoliberal institutionalist type system that relies on certain principles and sort of market-driven ideals, not particularly. So I would argue you see some good examples and there is some hope, but you would still have to give it a few more years to attest whether that's true and that's true across the board, or if it's particularly an environmental story, for instance.
0: So when we look around the world, be it in China, be it in India... Nigeria, even Brazil, we see huge numbers of people over the last decades moving from you know, rural countryside into urban city areas. I know this is a very big question, but what do you think are the implications of the current wave of urbanization on world politics?
1: I think um, first and foremost, actually, you have to clarify whether that's a question about urbanization or in a sense city networking and diplomacy if we're talking about the implications of urbanization itself on world politics i think fundamental Um, the urbanization of global challenges that security becomes an urban challenge as much as a as as a global or international challenge uh, that uh, inequality the urbanization of inequality is a massive story that we from time to time we sort of we discount or we live on the side because more popular stories at the moment, like the climate story, sort of take the precedence there. But fundamental because you force international entities or national entities to think urban, which doesn't play by the territories and ideas and sovereignties of the system. Insofar as then you add on top of that the urbanization of what you could call city diplomacy or sort of cities international relations, then you have the added complication that actually then you're even questioning matters such as sovereignty or citizenship. The idea that the mayor of London represents uh, not just uh, British citizens in London, but in fact large numbers uh, of European and permanent residents that are not the Londoners, in a sense, uh, questions, in a sense, the idea of citizenship on which the state system is based. So I think the implications, in general, are sort of two headed on the on the urbanization of the challenges and the urbanization of the political system itself.
0: So just staying with the question or the theme of urbanization, uh, just a little longer. Given what you said, is there then a risk that smaller cities and rural areas become less relevant or neglected when it comes to world politics? I think in
1: general, yes. Um, One good piece of data that that makes makes people that work in city networking or city diplomacy hopeful uh, is that it it isn't in reality a big city story. Uh, If you count all the members uh, of all the international city networks, uh, you'd probably be counting about 11,000 cities. So obviously that isn't just the big ones the most highly networked cities are not just northern cities. Uh, Certainly Barcelona is a member of 23 networks and 35 initiatives. Uh, But there are southern cities like Sao Paulo, like Cape Town, uh, and increasingly uh, sort of typically sheltered, cities sheltered by the international system, Chinese cities, Indian cities, and so on, that actually are going out there. But I think the challenge there is it's the quality and the direction of that type of interaction, where the smaller cities, the rural areas, remain a bit sort of the recipients of all these large changes, and it's hard for them to take the helm and the leadership. Uh, So it is a concern but then you sort of have to read it as well I think it has a great expression by the guys at the Harvard Urban Theory Lab Uh, and Neil Brenner talks about planetary urbanization to talk about the idea that there isn't something that isn't affected by cities today that there is no outside to the urban world in a sense so in that front actually the rural is affected by the the urban uh, insofar as for instance with the urbanization of inequality and poverty or the fact that uh, the, can- the, f- the famous countryside isn't uh, a separated entity from the metropolitan. It's just uh, the two gradients of the same thing in a sense. So
0: if cities are increasingly prioritizing urban concerns and policy making, how can we make sure that you know the poor the vulnerable are not left behind that they're also profiting and benefiting from the inevitable evolution, if you will, of cities?
1: I think first and foremost we need to rebalance the narrative a bit, um, take the typical numbers that you hear about cities globally. Uh, it's the classic, more than half of the world's population lives in cities, or it's uh, cities are responsible for up to 70% of global uh, greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, and I think you need to rebalance that with numbers about inequality and difference, in a sense. Uh, the idea that there are more than 800 million people living in slums today, and sixty-five million people. Uh, the idea that even in a place like London, there are roughly 7,000 people sleeping every night uh, on the street. And in a sense, you need to rebalance that narrative because otherwise you always direct it towards certain problems, but not others. Uh, talking about inequality in relation to climate change is fundamental. Talking about inequality in relation to security is fundamental. So the first and foremost point there is you have to sort of re-urbanize and reconnect these problems altogether rather than treating them as a separate problem. I think we've had one too many decades of treating poverty and the global south as a, as a problem to be addressed as a developmental issue, as something that is separated from the north. And hence, I use the example of rough sleepers and homeless people in London. Uh, the problem is everywhere, not just in, in, a, in a mythical south in a sense
0: coming full circle then and I'll leave you with this question we've discussed globalization and how it's changed the way we run cities so what would you say is the role of cities in global
1: governance in the coming decade I think I think we're coming to a, a turning point it's really sort of crunch time for cities in in, in global affairs now first of all we've uh, we've seen as I was saying sort of the the rise of a global urban governance system in a sense uh, with agendas with actors that that, that play an urban role internationally. We've seen the rise of city networks, the rise of new types of city networks, so a new generation that uh, that works in a hybrid sense with the private sector and large philanthropic interests, so Rockefeller 100 Brazilian cities, uh, C40 as examples. Uh, and, and those are coming to an age, in a sense, or coming of age. So I think now we're at crunch time, where what's needed is for cities to experiment uh, Experiment with the politics of it all, not just experiment with pilots. There's a ton of urban experimentation. There's a ton of uh, talk about scaling urban action. Now, we've seen a lot of scaling outwards, uh, in a sense, as my colleague Emilia Smet says, but very little scaling up. So the idea that, for instance, pilot initiatives, uh, a new bus system, Is not just a matter of uh, reducing carbon emissions. It's just a question also of, is that bus system affordable for the whole of the urban citizenry in that place? So I suppose there's some good hopes, there's some good potential. Uh, Simon Simon Curtis and I are writing at the moment on the idea that cities are incubating a new form of politics. Now, what comes out of that larva is fundamental because we might just see just another iteration of a system we see many times, so we really need to get to the point where we see some experiments, for instance in citizenship, that are completely different or quite radical. So there's good hopes, but it really matters who can afford getting the bus in the morning and whether that bus is available for the whole of the city or whether it's just another gimmick to participate on the world stage in a sense.
0: Well, time will tell. And I want to say, Michael, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. And perhaps we can invite you for another well-deserved, freshly brewed coffee. Uh, In the meantime, thank you very much for being with us. A pleasure. (laughs) This episode of the Global Futures Podcast was presented by me, Joel Sandhu, with research support from Julia Reichler and produced by Sonia Sugurbova from the Global Public Policy Institute. Our guest today was Michele Akuto. For a full list of Global Governance Futures products, including scenario reports, opinion pieces, interviews, and other podcasts, visit ggfutures.net forward slash analysis.